Lord, thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to, to sit here, to learn from your word, Lord. Help us to, to hear your voice. Help me to communicate, communicate clearly the life, the breath of your words, Lord. Lord, give us an understanding and this discernment this morning. Help us to, to see your face, to hear your words for the glory of Jesus. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're in week three of a series that Pastor Van started, looking at the priorities of the church for the new year. Now these aren't just priorities like a New Year's resolution for some good ideas and that kind of thing. It's specifically to look at are we living to our potential according to the purposes that God has for us here at FBC. It's not by chance. It's not just so we can gather here and then do what we want. God has a purpose for us. And the question that we're looking at is, is what priorities do we need to be living out to ensure that we're being faithful with the resources that God has given us. The first week, Pastor talked about the priority of, of looking up, living in light of the imminent return of Christ. Do you remember in, in Matthew 25, which was the text of the Master who was going off on a journey, so he left monetary uh, amounts to the three servants, expecting that, that they would increase his estate. And there was an evaluation when he returned. That are, are we living with the reality that Jesus is coming back? This is not all there is. We, we are living to an end. We're, we're living for a purpose. And do we have that in our mindset as a church, as an individual, in our family? And then last week we talked about living light. From Matthew 6. Was that it? Matthew 6. When it says, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where, where moth can come, robbers can break in and steal it, but live in light of that reality, investing in God's kingdom. Because when we do that, we're storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Where moth can't come and eat it, rust isn't going to destroy it, and robbers aren't going to get up there and steal it. It's eternal. So are, are, are we living with that mindset in the way we give? in the way we give of our money, in the way we give of our time, in the way we give of our, our gifts and talents? Are we using that to further His kingdom or our own? And then today, we're going to be looking at engaging in prayer. The, the priority that that must be in the life of our church if we are to reach our potential. Not, not for ourselves. Don't get me wrong. It's not so we can be great but so that we can walk in obedience, so that we can magnify the name of Jesus and walk in obedience to how He's leading. That's why we need to engage in prayer. And so in each message, the pastor's been giving an illustration. The first week, do you remember, was the chainsaw? And he had the axe and the saw, and he's like, you know, you can take the chainsaw and go at the tree, but you're not using its potential until you fire up the engine. Then it's really ready to go. He talked about Justin Boober and not having any calluses on his hands. Well, unfortunately, I don't either. I'm kind of like the thermostat guy. I like technology. So my illustration this morning is going to be a little different. I wanted to, to show on this picture a satellite phone. 
And this is my lovely wife, Kirsten, who is unfortunately not here because most of our children are sick at the moment. And it's possible to use things to their potential and not. And I want to directly relate this to prayer. How are we using prayer? What's its purpose? How should we use it? Where we were at in Chad was in a very remote location. They didn't have landlines, most definitely. Sometimes they would build a cell tower, actually in the middle of the desert. You have this little village with a cell tower. It it looked crazy, but it's the best way for communication in Chad. But sometimes we were even beyond the reach of that. So the only means of communication we had was with this satellite phone. It's with the fixed satellite about 14,000 miles off the surface of the earth, moving in rotation to the earth to relay our communication. Now here, we were just testing them out. We weren't really using them to their fullest potential. We were actually calling in our kids, who we had left back in France, while we were in Chad getting things set up before we would return to live there. But if you look at this next picture, this was an opportunity we had to use it to its fullest potential. The reason why we got it. If you look, there's nothing real interesting about this picture. It's a satellite phone sitting actually on top of our truck. You can barely tell what it is. But here's what happened. We were in the capital of Chad. And we were getting ready to go back to our home when we heard rebels are coming in. So we couldn't leave. So now what we're waiting, and and Thursday came, and the city is just silent. Nobody's walking down the streets. Nobody is, is out and about. The neighbors are staying in their homes. And it's this eerie, eerie Silence, And you're just waiting for that first gunshot, the first um, grenade to go off. But it never happens. The whole day is just silent. And then Friday came, and it all started. Now I want to, to have in mind, I'm going to show you a video. The video is actually taken from a time when the rebels... We're back, but the audio is taken from a time when the rebels were in. And the reason why I want to show you this is to put in context prayer and the way we're going to be talking about it. Because the reality is, our situation, we had three evacuation points. I can still see it. The road that would have taken us west, a bridge that would have taken us to Cameroon, or going straight through the city to the military base to get lifted out. And I was on the phone with the task force with the U.S. State Department, And then I was on the phone with my area leader who was in Cairo, Egypt. And every hour on the hour, I was checking in. Can we go this way? I gave my GPS location. They're pulling up satellite imaging, telling me where people are. I'm giving them kind of directions on where I'm seeing the rebels go. And one by one, every access was taken. No, we we can't go through the river. That's where the rebels are coming from. Actually, there's a battle happening at the bridge can't do that. I wanted to drive through the city, and the State Department was like, don't do it. You just, for many reasons. So I was pushing, and finally, they were working with the French military, and we were lifted out. The reason I share that is the necessity of communication, and how important that is in the context of a battle. So if you can... All that 
There's almost nothing that you could tell me intensity to that, and I question to show it or not. But listen to this quote from the book Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. Life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie. For the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It's not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. God has given us prayer as a wartime communication so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in the world. Prayer gives us the significance of frontline forces, and it gives God the glory of the limitless provider. That is the context of prayer. It's not just this peacetime so that we can have more comforts, a better home, a new car, more health, better job, completely focused on ourselves. The purpose of prayer is to engage in the battle of these spiritual forces. In that intensity of that video, I pray, wakes us up to engage in prayer. That there is a real conflict, though we may not hear it, though we may not see it. It is happening. And I want us to see it this morning from God's Word. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians 6. that This is, is how the Bible describes it. This is the context God put prayer inside of. We'll be reading first from uh, verse 10. In Ephesians chapter 6. And it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. If we think about this, to, to be strong. If we're to say, be strong as a church. Be strong, FBC. But, but not by your own resources. Not by looking at, at our potential. But looking at, at who God is and the strength of His might. In His name. Be strong. Be strong. But how? How are we supposed to do this? How are we so supposed to then be living? It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You're starting to get a picture here now. Now we have this conflict building, don't we? Okay, well, we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then it goes on to say, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Do we see it? We're, we're wrestling. We're engaged in a conflict. You have this spiritual realm and the physical reality. And the two are in conflict. The spiritual realm is impacting this physical reality. And, and in this physical reality, we're supposed to be doing battle against the spiritual realm. It causes us to think a bit. How? You can't just throw money at the problem. You can't pretend like it doesn't exist. The Bible is saying this is the context. We're in a battle. Engaged. Wrestling. Spiritual against physical. But it's saying we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling in the heavenly realms. Are we engaged? As Piper asked, are we engaged or are we simply sitting at home using prayer like a domestic intercom system? More comfort, please. Better life. More money would be nice. Or are we using prayer to engage as a church and saying this isn't about us. It's not about me. It's not about FBC. It's about the glory of God. That's what we're engaged to see. Look at how it continues in talking about the armor of God. In verse 13, Therefore, ah, because of this, because we're, we're going to stand firm, because of this epic cosmic battles, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation. Do you see the, the movement here? Can, can you feel the music rise? Right? Stand. Be strong. It's time to wrestle. It's time to get down. So, so stand. Withstand the enemy. Stand. Therefore, stand. The battle's on. I mean, you can see the gladiator underneath the Colosseum, can't you? Lacing up his sandals, putting on the armor, fastening his belt, the sweat's dripping, the heat's hot, and the music is growing. You know the clash is about to begin. That's what's happening. That's the passion as the words grow in the text. It's an engagement. It's don't just sit there, engage, stand, get ready. The battle's on. So what are you going to do? Are you going to engage or just ride the bench? It's time to play. That's what's happening. That's the movement. That's what's, what's growing. And it should just like build a vigor. Anybody who has any competitive bone in their body's just got to say, yeah, let's do this, right? I mean, this is, is what's happening. I can just see it growing, and then finally it leads up to this climax. The only offensive weapon, after the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
Now he's ready, right? He's all dressed, the defenses are up, and he's grabbing the word. He's like, now it's on. Now we're ready. So what is this sword? It says, which is the word of God. Now, a lot of people, if you're like me and I grew up in church, I always just thought about it as the physical word. Like this would be a medium size, you had your pen knife, and then you had the big Bible study one, which is like the long sword, and we used to joke about it, and actually as boys just hit each other with them, calling them our sword. But that's not really what the text is referring to, although sometimes we do limit it to that, don't we? We say, well, we have a Bible, Right? What do we do with it? You're not doing any kind of battle just because you have a Bible sitting on your shelf or at your nightstand at home. That doesn't do anything. So there's a question here of, okay, well, how do we use this sword? Well, in the very nature of how the Greek uses that that term, word of God, there's two words that they could use in the Greek. One is, is lagos, which is... The same as John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, Lagos. And he was with God and was God. All of those are one term, which has a very physical nature to it. The other is Rema, which means to, to speak the spoken words of God. There's a speaking out the Word of God that engages us in the battle. And that's what it's saying. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Spoken out, declared, engages us in that battle. But there's also the other side as it continues. And if you, like, I'm reading out of the ESV, and it's comma, praying. If you have a King James, it actually has a colon, and it says praying. The idea here is that these are are linked If you're looking at the the NIV and it says, and praying, which almost makes it seem like they're two different things. On the one you have the sword of the Spirit, and on the other side you have praying, as if these are separate. But the way that the the original language was written, it seems as though the praying complements the sword of the Spirit in how we're to use it. Not the only way how to use it, but how it's talking about here. And so I want to to just rest a little bit on this idea of praying the Word. The application, to just give you some helpful ideas, how do we do this? This is the, the context of prayer. Engaging in a battle. There is a war. And are we engaged? And if so, then, then what do we use? We use God's Word, and how do we use it? And that's what I want to talk about here. Just This isn't the, the only way, but I do want to give some ideas of, of how I use it. What does that mean to me? How have we used it in, in Chad, on, on our team, as we engage in prayer? Some just, hopefully, some practical ways to get your imagination going and, and how God might lead you to use His Word in prayer. The first one, and I put them up here because there's a lot of references, and if you want to take notes, then you'll be able to see, but this is how, when I'm praying, this is just how I think. (laughs) And so, I I spent a lot of time actually praying this passage for the lost. We were working in Chad, it was mainly a Muslim people group, there were no known believers inside the country, 
and we were sharing Christ, and yet we can speak words of truth. But we need the Spirit of God to help them see and receive that truth. And so I would often pray this passage. I'll read this one, and then some of the others I want to describe a little different. It says, And if our gospel is veiled, this is in 2 Corinthians 4, um, 3 through 6. Um, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I, I love that verse. And it says, For what we proclaim, it's not ourselves, but it's Jesus, and ourselves as the servants for Jesus' sake. And it was God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness. So what I would do, when, when, I, when we were together as a team, and we're praying for the lost, this is what I would pray. God, help them see. As we speak the truth, Lord, that their eyes are veiled by Islam, by their own sin, to see the glory of Jesus. Lord, help them to see the beauty of Your Son. That, that, that it, was, it was God who said... Let there be light. And in the darkness, there was light. So speak into this person's heart, God. Let them see the light and the beauty of Jesus. And it's taking the Scripture. And you see Paul doing this. If we have in the mindset that all Scripture is God-breathed, right? And yet how many times in Paul's letters is he praying? I believe there's a connection here to we can use Paul's prayers not as some magical words or, or we're praying these magical words, but, but to allow God to lead our heart. There's so many instances of this. Another one I had was for college students. And I just want you to see the, the broad range uh, through this. Colossians 1 in verse 9. I mean, think, think of how poignant this would be. That you would be filled with the knowledge of His will. What a prayer for our students. When so many decisions await you. Where, where to go to school, who to marry, what job to take. Oh, that, that God would fill you with the knowledge of His will for your life. Not your own, not your own dreams, not your own ambitions. But God's purpose for your life. God, give them that knowledge. Give them a, a spiritual wisdom and a spiritual understanding. Not, not rooted just in their own experience, but give them wisdom as they're going to face temptations. Decisions that they have to stand in independence. God, give them the wisdom and understanding they're going to need to stand in that. So that they can walk in a manner worthy of your name. Do you see what I mean? As you're reading the scripture be listening and asking God, how, can I, how should I apply it? How should I be praying this? How should I be engaged in this? And in that way, we're engaging in the battle, in the spiritual realm, for the hearts of our children, for the hearts of our students, even for the heart of the church. In Philippians 1, I was thinking about this one. And it's my uh, prayer that your love may abound more and more. Oh, to, to pray that for a congregation. That we would be known for our love. That, that our love would increase. That we wouldn't be known for divisions and differences. But that we would be unified 
in Christ. And that our love would increase and that we would have knowledge and discernment on how should we as a congregation walk in obedience. Lord, give us unity in that as we seek your face. Give us discernment and wisdom as there's decisions that need to be made. Lord, guide us in that. So, so that in the last day we would be approved. That the decisions we made were used and the resources you gave us were for the purpose of your glory. And it's just praying through the passage. Another one that I've used often, and I won't go through all of these, is Ephesians 3. I really like this one. I prayed this one for the youth when I was a youth pastor back in Frederick often. Um, how necessary it is for our children to understand the depth and width of God's love. That they would rest in that. That they would have strength to comprehend how great is our God so that they would fall in worship before Him, trusting Him with their very lives. Or missions. I love this passage in uh, Psalm 96. But it was actually there. You can read that, those verses on your own. If you want that, I, I happen to see Psalm 95. And in 96, it talks about declaring the glory of God to the nations. I mean, it's just this great passage. Let your, your name be, be known. Let your reputation go out from here. That's what's going to be happening tonight in praying for the missionaries. It's not just so they can have a happy day. It's because they're engaged in a battle to see the glory of God displayed among those who do not know. That there, there are, are false gods who are stealing the glory from the one true God. And we are in a battle to see the name of Jesus proclaimed. And we're being called to engage. And that's an incredible responsibility. But what an opportunity. That it says, we're given the significance of, of frontline forces. But God is given the glory as the limitless provider. He gets the glory. And we get the joy. Look at this passage. This one I wasn't planning on and I happened to see. and I wanted to say it because as well, looking at the Psalms of just worshiping God, using the Scripture in our worship of God as we pray, we could go through all the forms of worship. There's so many different topics that you can deal with on the issue of, of prayer, right? And so my bottom line was to engage. To, to get in the fight. This was why it was given. This is what we're doing. but to, to have a mindset as well of, of just worship. Not just always asking for things, but just acknowledging who God is. I mean, if you look in this, in, in Psalm 95, verse, verse 3, it says, For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. And in His hands are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are His also. 
I mean, what image do you have of God like this? With one hand in the depths of the earth and the other on the heights of the highest mountain. This is our God. Right? This is our God. And this is how it's being described. And and what does that make us think when we think this is a holy God? And it says, come let us worship and bow down. How can you do anything else before such a great God? But to fall on your face, say, holy, holy, holy. And then when you continue reading, it says, for for he's our God. And we're the people of his pasture, the sheep held in his hand. The greatness of God and yet the tenderness of man. How remarkable if that doesn't just make us stop and pause and pray prayers of adoration for who God is. But it's allowing the Scripture to transform our mind and our prayers so it's not focused on our vision of God, but a biblical vision of God. The last point in closing is the term that's used in Ephesians 6 where it talks about not just praying, but praying in the Spirit. What does that mean? And just briefly, wanting to comment, the, the best definition that I've come across says that prayer, to, it's to pray in a way that the Holy Spirit is the moving and guiding power. Meaning we're not just praying for ourselves, we're praying according to the will of the Holy Spirit. Not just making up our own things, but asking God, for whom shall we pray? What should we pray? I think that there was this story in Mark 1 with Jesus that has always served as an example for me. Because if he needed to do this, I definitely need to do this. Where it says that Jesus went into the synagogue on a Saturday. He, he, he was preaching. There was a man with an evil spirit. Came up to him. Jesus healed him. And then went to... Peter's mother-in-law's house for lunch. She's sick with the fever. He heals her. She gets up, makes lunch. Right? Sabbath comes to an end. You know, you do what you have to do. (laughs) There was... Once Sabbath ended, crowds started to come concerning what had happened at the synagogue earlier to be healed. So, So he's healing the lame. Evil spirits are being cast out. Ministry is growing here in Capernaum. Right? I mean, this is incredible. So the disciples wake up the next day and they're ready to go. They're like, here, another big day of ministry. I mean, this is like, this is Super Sunday for them. Right? And they're like, where's Jesus? So they go look for him. Well, before the sun had come up, he had gone off to pray. So they finally find him and all the disciples are saying, okay, let's go. You know, there's ministry to be done. The crowds are here and Jesus is like, I know we're going to the next town. The only thing I can think in my mind is, what was he praying? Or more, how much was he listening? Because remember, Jesus always said, I'm about my Father's business. So this was a great opportunity. But it wasn't what God had on that day. And so I I think... what it's teaching here is to pray in the Spirit is also a listening prayer. Not just talking, but saying, 
if we're going to have wisdom, if we're going to have discernment, we need to say, okay, God, how should we be praying? There's a responsiveness. There's a communication that's happening. In the same way with that sat phone, I'm not just telling them everything about me. I'm trying to get information. Right? Okay, which way should I be going? Can I take this road? No? Okay. In the same way, we need to be praying and responding to God. This is for His glory. It's His kingdom. We are a part of that. For His glory. So we should be asking, okay, God, what are you up to today? And how can I be engaged? Are you engaged in prayer? Or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified by our dependence upon you. That we would not in arrogance move forward assuming that we have all the answers and all the resources in ourselves. But we would move forward by obedience for the glory of Jesus according to the purposes that you have for us, Lord. Make those ways clear. Give us wisdom and discernment. Help us to to use your word as we pray that our minds and our prayers would be formed not by our own understanding or our own wills, but by the biblical image of who you are in the particular will that you have for us as a body. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.